0: Welcome, folks, to the 10th episode of No Conference for Old Men, the podcast where three old guys are talking Houston Cougars basketball with a bit of Big 12 coverage added in as well. We're also now proud members of the gokus.com network, the group that provides the deepest and broadest coverage of Houston Cougars content around. And we're also now done with all non-conference games this season and have managed to get through the slate unscathed, at least record-wise, at 13-0. We've unfortunately had a season-ending injury to super sixth-man Terrence Arsenault and lingering knee issues with one of our mainstays, Joanne Roberts. And now our initial foray into Big 12 conference play begins with West Virginia on January 6th. We're also at the point in the season where we will begin a regular weekly cadence with the podcast with at least one weekly conference game on the slate the rest of the way. So today we are again fully staffed with Tom Lidiak, Bill Walker, and myself, Steve Chang, for this week's episode. And we'll start off with our summary of our final two non-conference games played by our Houston Cougars, identify some trends that we saw in these last two games that might give us a hint as to how Coach has adjusted to the loss of Arsenal and the injury to Roberts, and then move into a deep preview of the West Virginia game coming up this week. Okay, so let's get right into it, gentlemen, in recapping the two games played Let's start with the Texas State game. So, Tom, what are your coach's thoughts on our 72-37 win over Texas State?
1: A couple of things I got out of the Texas State game. The big story was Jawan going out with that contusion to his either knee or his or his thigh. Holding Texas State to 37 points, just a tremendous job. You know, U of H, they're the best team I've ever seen at contesting every dribble, every pass, uh, every shot. You have to give Texas State... They're a scrappy team. Give them some credit for, uh, you know, giving us some resistance on offense. We didn't look the greatest on offense. Just had a lot of trouble, like, handling the ball, I thought. But, you know, once again, you give credit to Texas State. Uh, like I said, they were they were scrappy. They were kind of in our in, in our faces. You know, having said that, we still won by, looks like, uh, what, 35 points? Yep. So, yeah, th- those are the things I got out of the Texas State game. Okay, great. How about you, Bill? what'd you think?
2: Well, I didn't see the game. I was up in the tundra up in Milwaukee, but first half, certainly we didn't shoot, shoot the ball well, but you know what? So what the defense is just as Tom mentioned, alluded to, it's just sickening. They shot 29% from the field, 13% from three. What's crazy. Once again, 27 turnovers, the turnovers that were creating are, are unbelievable. You know, I heard someone mention something about, you know, well, Texas State rebounded, out-rebounded us. He and did. I think that's correct. Well, the fact of the matter is, if you're throwing the ball away on virtually every yeah. possession, it's kind of <laughs> hard to get shots off and uh, yeah. and, and there aren't going to be any opportunities for rebounds. Uh, I mean, yeah, we didn't shoot well, which gave them opportunities, at least in the first half. But 27 turnovers is it's unreal and and the defense i mean giving up under 40 points a game in in division one college basketball is crazy i mean i i played on a state championship team we had in high school we had eight minute quarters no shot clock and we rarely gave up under 40 points and yeah if had uh, Penn not hit a shot at the end of the game last night, they would have been under 40 as well. The, the defense has just been unbelievable. Their best player, at, as I had mentioned in the previous podcast, uh, Gums, who's supposed to be the next great player at Texas State, for whatever that means, <laughs> uh, he he did lead them in scoring with a whopping seven points, only to fall short by one of the eight turnovers he committed. So, you know, that's, I guess what the next great player at Texas state will do against us. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I thought at least from what I saw, it looks like, you know, Wilson played a good game. And, and once again, it's, it's hard to gauge everything because these teams aren't very good, but Wilson played a pretty good game. France yeah. has shot. Well, and Ramon Ramon looks like he had some stats and, you know, these are in basically about 20 minutes for each player close to it. So it looks like they played well. And, uh, you know we did what we needed to do
0: yeah i completely agree if we look at the starters uh, again we had shed crier sharp roberts and francis in the starting lineup we dominated from the get-go especially defensively and won every quartile of the game when you look more deeply into each half texas state did fight hard as you both had mentioned but could not get anything going offensively and couldn't show any resistance inside the paint as we had our way inside as well We only got eight minutes out of Roberts due to the knee-related issues, as you both highlighted, but still were able to shoot almost 54% from two-point range for the game. Manuel Sharp and Javier Francis were actually the stars, which was great to see. Sharp with 17 points. He was only 2 of 10 from the field, but he made 11 of 11 free-throw attempts, taking it hard to the basket and was a player box score plus-minus, a plus. 17.9 went on the court. Francis, with 13 points, he was five for five from the field and was a plus 19.4 player box score, plus minus. And we're going to need that, you know, especially with Robert's troubling knee issues going into Big 12 play. Now, from a deeper analytics perspective, and since we now have some new listeners joining us, I'll provide, again, some context around how we view advanced analytics going into conference play. Kempom is our main source for analysis with a handful of interesting stats from Haslam metrics and Bart Torvik mixed in as well. We view a team being great in an area if that stat is ranked top 40 in the country, but on the flip side, it's a serious weakness if it ranks 175th or worse the country, all with the intent of making the NCAA tourney in mind. So if we look at this game, on offense, our effective field goal percentage was below standard at 46.7%, where last year we were in the 52% range. And that's against a good defensive team in Texas State. We uh, turned the ball over a bit more than normal, especially in the first half. End of the game at 17.16%, which is still great. Our standard last year was at 15.4% from a turnover perspective. And we offensive rebounded near standard at 35.1%. Now on D, we played a stellar game all across the board, limiting Texas State to 31.1% effective field goal percentage. And we were exceptional last year at 42.7%. We forced them to 40% turnovers. I mean, that is that is unreal. It's almost half of their possessions they turned the ball over, and we were one of the top teams at 21% last year in Kenpong. We limited their three-point percentage to 13.33% versus our standard of 27.9% last year, and we blocked a staggering almost 27% of their two-point shots. Incredible display of defensive disruption as we get ready for Big 12 play. So then the next game we had was Penn. That was last night. Who And just as a reminder for folks, Penn actually beat Villanova earlier this year. So these are no slouches. This was the final non-conference game. Bill, what are your thoughts on our gutsy 81-42 win against Penn?
2: <laughs> well, you mentioned, Steve, that, we, that Penn beat Villanova. Uh, Penn also was within one possession in the second half at Kentucky before losing exactly. by, I think, 15. Yes. So they played two good games. And, and I actually had, because we didn't preview this, I'd actually had several people come up to me and say, what do you think about the Penn game? And my response was, do not be fooled by the Villanova win or the Kentucky game. Uh, <laughs> they, they shot extremely well in both of those games. Their big guy, Spinozo, he he's not your typical low post player he gets the ball up around the free throw line top the key and and he finds their shooters and they're an extraordinary shooting team they're a forty percent three three-point shooting team the thing is they've not played a defense remotely close to ours worse they're not very athletic so it it plays right into what we do defensively and they were going to have trouble against us and, and and i Told people we were gonna win that game easily. Spinoso, their leading assist man, had one assist. He had seven turnovers because we were doubling him. We were yeah, you know, I saw him throw a couple behind-the-back passes right to our players. You know, he, he's a good player, but he he was just overwhelmed. Their best uh one of the top ten scorers in NCAA is uh Slacker. He sprained his ankle, and he was in a boot the rest of the game, so he didn't play, but he had he played six minutes. He, he missed a shot. He missed a three, and he committed two turnovers. They just hadn't come up against a team this athletic, it, and it showed. They committed more turnovers than they made shots, and it was no contest. Uh, unfortunately, they're the son of the former coach of the 76ers, uh, That's right. Brett Brown, his son. Who plays for Penn hit a wild three to end the shutout uh, when it was eighteen nothing. But Tugler, I thought, played pretty well. I thought I thought he was very solid. I guess we'll say solid. He uh, he scored inside. He he struggled a little bit with Spinoso in the second half. Spinoso took him off the dribble a couple of times. And and you know what, Tugler's a freshman. He's playing an older guy, He's an experienced guy. It's gonna happen, but. Tugler overall, I thought played a, excuse me, a very solid game. Yeah, and I thought some of the other guys, Ramon, uh, Wilson, Dunn, the guys that haven't played as much in some of the tighter games and maybe haven't stepped up. I thought they all played positively. They all played twenty plus minutes, and uh, yeah, yeah I, I we were just significantly better. Like I said, had they not hit a shot right at the end of the game, they would have had thirty nine points once again. Not making it to forty, which is which is a huge testament to our defense.
0: Yeah, just incredible stuff. I actually saw a tweet today. I don't remember who was the one that actually tweeted it, but the Ken Palm defensive statistics for our, for this year's Cougars team. If we can keep this up now, obviously it's so so early, right in the season, would be the greatest statistical Ken Palm defensive efficiency rating since twenty twenty. And I think that's the beginning of, of Ken Palm. So we're truly playing at an elite level. Now, there's still a lot of games to play and the toughest part of our slate in the Big 12 as well. So we'll see we'll see how well the defense stacks up with a much tougher schedule the rest of the way. Now, Tom, what do you think? Uh, what was your view from a coach's perspective of the Penn game?
1: Uh, last night, looking at the Penn game, I think the story again is uh, is our defense Uh you guys alluded to this. You covered it already, but you know, just suffocating. Like I said earlier, you know, every dribble, every pass, every shot is contested. Uh, if there's a breakdown on on defense, there's accountability because Kelvin will yank your your <laughs> your butt and get you on the bench. You know, Pan ran what's called zoom action, and that's just a down screen into dribble handoff. Uh, that's usually they have their five man. He's kind of like a kind of like a point center similar to a Princeton offense. And, uh, you know, their, their big man, their five man will, uh, will dribble handoff from a guy receiving a down screen and we just defended that, you know, I don't see how you could defend it even better. I think there was one time where we went under a screen and they hit a three. And uh, of course that player came out. I can't remember who it was, but Kelvin has that accountability built into our culture. Uh, You know, you either get it done or you, you become an assistant coach. A lot of people want to talk about our offense you know, it's, it's kind of like a broken record. Yeah, we could play better on offense, but, you know, w- we're never going to win any contests if you're looking at aesthetics, Yeah. and Kelvin Sampson's teams have never been pretty on offense, so people can just forget about that. Our, our culture is built on uh, defending, rebounding, and then uh, being unselfish on offense, and we still, still scored 81 points. You know, 81, that's 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 pretty darn good, so I, I'm not as concerned as some other people are about our offense, you know it, it is what it is, you know, and that, that's not our sole focus. There's a lot of teams that are more offensive centric, but they don't win as many games. Yep, and they lose the tournament, like in the first round. <clears throat> I'm not saying Arizona, but uh, I'm saying there. You know, you got Arizona, <laughs> you got Purdue. Yeah, you know, you look pretty. You you, you score a lot of points. It, you know, it's going to come down to defending and uh, and rebounding. And then we got enough guys that can that can hit big shots. L.J. Jamal, Emmanuel, uh, Roberts. These guys can all knock down shots when we need them. So you know, I'm not I'm not worried about that. Uh, as far as from an X and O standpoint, without Juwan, without T.A., I didn't see a whole lot of uh, difference in sets on offense. We still kind of ran this little set. Uh, Kelvin calls the passing game to get into our offense. Uh, he's used another one. He's probably had it forever. Used it at Oklahoma to try to get a postman, a post up. So I didn't see any big difference, uh, you know, any difference on the X's and O's. I did like an inbounds play underneath, baseline out of bounds underneath. We get Dunn at the elbow. I really, I really like that. Yeah. Dunn gets the ball at the elbow and everybody else just kind of gets the heck out of the way. And w- the one thing I like about Dunn is how low he plays on offense. You know, there's Great an old point. saying in sports, low man wins. Well, he. You know he gets he he gets low when he drives, uh, when he's in triple threat, and I really like that little set. But that's uh, what it came out of the pin game. You know, pin was averaging a bunch of points and eighty. You know, they might yeah. pin might have hit a lot of shots against Kentucky. They might have hit a lot of shots against Villanova. But you know what? Us three could probably hit some of those shots if we're wide open. <laughs> you know, of course they're going to hit shots when they're wide open. Yeah, I think they used to do a study. This is like 30 years ago. You know, uncontested shots uh, were were like 62 percent. Contested shots, 38 percent. And those those are old stats, but I'm sure they're I'm sure they're somewhere similar stat wise. So did a great job last night. Looking forward to what we look like in uh, in conference.
0: Yeah, it just to emphasize your point as well. Tom, around our offense, as much as maybe some fans complain about maybe how stagnant at times we get or how it isn't as pretty as some of the other teams, we are the 17th ranked adjusted offensive efficiency in Ken Palm, right, in the nation. So it's not like we're slouches. Now, granted, we may not do it with, you know, a bunch of pretty backdoor passes and it's more reliant on our offensive rebounding, but we are. Still, in the end, the end result, we're ranked seventeenth most efficient offense in the nation. So, it's really, really difficult to complain about that, right? Especially when you pair it with the number one defense by far in the country, right?
2: Well, Calvin, Calvin even mentioned in his press conference last night that, it, it, for instance, in the in the Texas State game, Sharp went as you mentioned, Steve, he went two of nine from from three. But Kevin had said that he could have easily hit eight of those shots. They're just, yep. it's one of those nights where the shots didn't fall. And, and do we have the, the absolute purest shooting team? No, but we've got good shooters. And we do, you know, there are going to be nights when Sharp hits seven of nine threes. There are going to be nights when he hits two and nine. But the thing is, and Calvin said, you know, you can't control that. He can't control that, but he sure as hell can control the effort on defense. Yep. The, the aggressiveness to the boards. And that's something that you could do successfully every single game. And that's exactly what we've been doing the entire season.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're spot on, Bill. I mean, for the Penn game, no surprise. Our defense dominated and we won the game handily, right? 81-42. You know, key for probably the three of us watching the game because it was, I mean, the game was over pretty early on, but was just watching how we played to get some perspective on how we were going to be playing going into Big 12 play, right? Since Arsenal's injury was still pretty fresh and he's out for the season. Roberts this week, dealing with knee issues, didn't play at all. You know, part of the questions that we were wondering was, was Ramon Walker and Malik Wilson going to take advantage of the minutes they were going to get? Were we still going to try to play one big and four out? When we were down Arsenal, and then, you know, Damian Dunn, we know he needs to be a key player. Was he going to have a breakout performance before comps play began? Now, when we looked at the starters, we had Shed, Cryer, Sharp, and then for the first time, Tugler in the starting lineup with Francis at the five. The big news, and I was excited to hear, was that we were resting Juwan Roberts and starting Tugler in his place. Given the opponent, we were able to play with an eight-man rotation with no one playing more than 30 minutes. Shed and Tugler were actually the stars. So I'm going to differ from you guys. I actually thought Tugler had a phenomenal game. And if you look at the advanced analytics, Shed, who had 14 points, six of eight from the field, four assists in 27 minutes. Um, and then when you looked at JoJo, 13 points, five of seven from the field, seven rebounds. Two blocks, two steals, and he was not in foul trouble, right? Though Shed was statistically the MVP of the game from an advanced analytics perspective with Ken Palm, it was a big statement game for Tugler in getting the start. He was very patient, not overwhelmed by his first start as a Cougar, only had two fouls for the course of the game while still being his usual disruptive self on D. Great sign going into Big 12 play. And really to confirm that assertion that Shed and Tugler were the top two players of the game, Shed was a player box score plus minus 26.8 for the game. And Tugler was a close second at a plus 22.4 player box score plus minus. The next closest guy was Cryer at plus 13. So statistically, when he was on the court... I mean, he was making winning plays. And then when you look at Dunn, the the guy that we've been really concerned about and wanting to get on the rails, I thought it, it may not have been a breakout game, but also played much better this game and didn't seem as indecisive as in previous games. But he did have 11 points, six rebounds, and three steals in 20 minutes for a very effective stint in the lineup. As you dig into the advanced analytics from Ken Palm, On offense, our effective field goal percentage played just above standard at 53.8%, protected the ball extremely well at 11.36% turnover rate versus uh, where we're at roughly a little bit over 15% last year. And we offensive rebounded to standard at 45.24%. And that was actually even playing with a very small lineup at times of shed, crier, sharp, and Wilson along with Francis at times. That's a tiny lineup around Francis. And yet we were still able to effectively defend an offensive rebound. And to top it off, we shot 43.75% from three using this quick, smaller lineup, right? Now, indeed, we played above standard, limiting Penn to 38.9% effective field goal percentage and limiting their three-point shooting percentage to 26.9%. But we've also forced them to 35.36% turnover rate, which is that's over a third of their, their possessions were turnovers. We blocked a staggering 26.3% of their two point shots. So that's over a quarter of their two point shots. And basically another stellar defensive effort for the number one defensive team in the country heading into conference play. And arguably without our best defensive front court player and Jawan Roberts. So a great win for our Cougars. Tugler is becoming a primetime player for us. Dunn is finally getting more comfortable, and we had no injuries. So I'm actually feeling pretty good about the program going into our first Big 12 game against West Virginia. Now, before we, we get into the preview for West Virginia, I just wanted to throw it out there for you two. Now that we've seen these last two games, You know, what are you seeing in terms of, let's say, from even a a Houston Cougars, Coach Sampson perspective? Is he changing anything up heading into conference play? As well as maybe some thoughts around the teams as we've seen the other Big 12 teams go through non-con play and kind of who to look out for. Is it still the same teams that you guys had thought going into the season or are you zeroing in on a few other teams that we hadn't anticipated?
1: Um, Tom, why don't you go first? I was gonna let Bill go first. Okay. Anyway, I'll, right. I, yeah, <laughs> I wanna I wanna hear what, I wanna hear what Bill has to say first, and then I'll I'll probably piggyback on him.
2: Okay. Well, in terms of U of age, I, I just think I think we're a little bit quicker than maybe we've been in the past with the, with Completely the defense, agreed. with the doubling, with the the rotations defensively, and I think that's you know that's kind of been a key to the Turnovers. The defense has just been. I mean, we've always been really good defensively. I mean, obviously that's Kelvin's trademark. But creating the turnovers has just been just outstanding. And you know, that's one of the big differences I see. Yeah, I think we're going to be fine offensively. I I hope people don't begin to freak out and you know claim that the sky is falling when we when we lose our first big 12 game, because we are going to, you know, it's been almost 50 years since Indiana went undefeated. It's just, it's not going to happen. Kansas, I think lost five conference games and winning the, the big 12 last year. So we're going to lose. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule coming up and Steve, you mentioned looking at as we're heading into the big 12. I mean, the month of January where we've got a three game stretch at BYU, at Texas, at Kansas, we're also at Iowa State. Yeah, you know, we could. It's eight games in January. We could go five and three, and you know, hopefully not. But if we do, it's not the end of the world. Yep. We're playing a significantly tougher schedule than we did any time in the past, at least the recent past. I mean, we're playing good teams, and you know, it, it's going to happen. Whether whether we're playing well or or not and it's just the way it goes so i just hope people aren't ready to i don't know you know call for call for not a new coach but but just overreact because we lose a, a couple of games three games look we're in a toughest conference and it's gonna happen but uh god i mean the team just looks really really good especially at the defensive end going into it and Teams just don't face defenses like this, so a lot of these teams are going to be facing it for the first time, and yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. In terms of the teams, I I think you know you guys had liked Kansas, Baylor, Texas, and of course us. I think the fifth team there is is going to be BYU, which
0: yes, you yeah, are right,
2: <laughs> who I've liked forever. Yeah, yes. and then I think it's the next four are going to be. Kansas State, Iowa State, Oklahoma—who's—who's who's off to a good start, yeah. but they may not be that great. And and Cincinnati's off to a good start, but that's probably going to come to a bit of an end as well. And then and then everyone else is going to be down toward the bottom. Yes, I looked at the I looked at the schedules for all the teams, and some of them have some good wins. You know, Kansas over Connecticut, and you know there's some good wins, but God, there are some. Really bad losses on here as well. I mean, Oklahoma State losing to Abilene Christian, West Virginia, who we're about to talk about losing to Radford and Monmouth. There's been some pretty spotty play so far, and uh, and once again, it's early. It's you know, everyone for the most part are are playing teams that they could beat. You know, they're they're building up the records and everything, but I I like I like where we sit heading into the Big Twelve.
0: Nice. How about you, Tom? What are your thoughts?
1: You know, Bill mentioned uh, the difference with when we go to the four-guard lineup. You know, as far as like rotations and all that. When you sub a big out and put a, a smaller player in there, uh, you know, you're going to the advantage. to trade-off is you're you're getting more quickness in there, and deflections lead to steals. What's interesting about how we turn teams over is, yeah, we pressure the ball, but we re- really don't pick them up at half court. Probably yep. pick them up around. I mean, Fertitta Center doesn't have a volleyball line, but if it did, you know, we kind of pick them up at the volleyball line about 30, 32, 33 from the basket. We don't deny passes to the wing, you know, uh, one pass away, we don't deny. Uh, so you're not getting steals there. And that's that's what makes it amazing is uh, how many how many turnovers we, uh, we get teams to, to commit. You know, deflections lead to steals. We get some on the monster, get some guys passing out of the monster and well, we get deflections and steals there. So you're going to have a trade off there. You're not not going to have as much uh, rim protection when you take a big out. So you're going to have to make it up somewhere. And that's usually uh, turning teams over a little bit more. We mentioned about going into the big 12 and, and having some losses. Uh, I think my prediction, I thought we were going to go like 12 and six. You look at Yukon, they won the national championship last year, but they, in the regular season, they finished fourth yep. in the big East. So, you know, like Bill said, you know, people can't just freak out if we lose, like, two games in a row. You know, it's uh, it's highly possible that can happen. When you look at overall uh, schedule, we're looking at West Virginia game. Uh, you know, West Virginia is not as good as AM, and uh, Dayton, or Xavier, in my opinion. Uh, they might be better than Oklahoma State or, or, or UCF. But West Virginia will be better than most of the teams we've played so far. It's a home game, so that gives us the advantage but like I said earlier, I'm just looking forward to to playing in a so-called big boy conference. Yeah, exciting. And, uh, seeing how Coach Sampson's system and style of play matches up with other teams. I do think Kansas is not as good as I thought they'd be at, at the first of the year. There's some teams that are better than I thought they were. The Bills team, BYU, I was totally wrong on that one. I was totally wrong Me on, too. Uh, on Oklahoma. But then maybe again, when the Big 12 Conference season starts, you know, they come down to earth a little bit. We'll probably know a little bit about that team. They play uh, Iowa State in the first Big 12 game. We'll see how that one goes. But uh, probably after about six, seven, eight games, we're probably going to get a good idea of how how the conference stacks up.
0: Okay. Hey, so guys, before I get into the analytics view of the program, I wanted to throw a question out to the two of you. I mean, we've sung the praises of the defensive effort for this year's Cougars team. Do you believe this is potentially the best defensive team that we've had here in the Samson era?
1: I'll go first one on this, Bill. I, I think so. Uh, originally, I, uh, I was thinking it'd be tough to beat the team that had Galen and Corey.
0: Yeah, love that team. that
1: team. That team was really good defensively. That team, I think, you know, Coach Sampson, he doesn't believe in overachieving. He doesn't believe there's, you know, he doesn't believe in overachieving. He believes that whatever you do, you know, there's you can always do more, so there's never overachieving. But if you want to take a look at Galen, that Corey team, that team probably came as close to overachieving as you can. Uh, they were scrappy. They t- took charges. For, you know, very good rebounding team. I think this team is is better simply because they we just have. I think better players, more athletic yeah. players. So we're we're playing the same scrappy style, but with a uh, little bit quicker players. How about you, Bill? What do you think?
2: I think it's too early to tell. I think once we no, get got to play, gotta take I'll... a stand.
0: Now we're into January. But no, I'll, I'll, come I'll com-
2: Oh, Believe me, you know I'll comment. <laughs> on it. You know I'll talk.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, but I, th- I think it's too early. I th- I think we've we we're pretty athletic on the front line, despite only having three players. So when Tugler comes over to double team, or if, or if one of the other bigs comes over to double team, Tugler's man, as soon as the ball, assuming it's not a turnover. And, and so far that's a huge assumption uh, because we do create so many, but, uh, but once the ball moves, he moves. I was watching Javier last night. He, he was moving from the yep. double teams. Well, and granted, it's a little different because it was Spinoso who's out toward the free throw line when he's got the ball. But you know that's even further that they've got to move to to cover somebody else that that may not have been covered or, or move toward the ball. I like, I love the movement. I love the movement. I, I think we're transitioning to get to the open players. I saw it. there were a couple threes and and Sharp Sharp wasn't as quick to them and. Kelvin pulled him out and got yeah. on him pretty pretty well last night in the first half. But overall, we we're moving so well. We're not allowing open threes that that I've seen sometime in the past. Think back to the Alabama game last year at Fertitta Center where they moved the ball well out of out of double teams and hit open players who who were open and hit threes against us when they made that comeback. I, I don't see as much of that this year. I, I think we're moving well, but once again, the schedule is going to get tougher and it's yeah. it, it's going to be a lot more demanding. So that's why I'm saying the jury's a little bit out on whether this is the best. I think it absolutely could be. Yeah, Absolutely. They, they're, I mean, every side points toward it potentially being the best defense, but It's still early and competition's about to go up.
0: Yeah, no, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think the unknown for us is it's the first time we're playing a Big 12 slate, so we don't know how it's going to hold up. But I'm with you guys as well. Statistically speaking, it's a pretty incredible display in the non-conference on the defensive end so far. And Cryer's been a a pleasant surprise playing hard-nosed D at the point of attack along with Shed, so he's really adjusted well and as you had highlighted bill as well the movement the foot movement especially at our five position i think is the best that it's been we've just got longer better athletes even even tugler as a freshman i'm amazed at how quickly he recovers basically at the top of the key and then moving back to cover his man he's and uh, with his long arms it's just been a really nice display and i think we're only going to get better quite honestly as the year goes on and so You know, Looking statistically for this team heading into conference, we're going to continue to play to our culture with heavy emphasis on D and offensive rebounding, like always. Lineup-wise, with Arsenal out, I do expect us to try to at least play a more traditional lineup the rest of the way with two of Roberts, Francis, and Tugler in the lineup unless we hit foul trouble, where we'll see perhaps Ramon Walker play some small ball four. But the most intriguing lineup that I saw this last game was that four true guards, all six foot two or under playing with either Francis or Tugler. And especially if we have to play long stretches to manage Juwan Roberts's minutes, we may be forced to play a bit more of that type of lineup moving forward. We saw a swarming D, great ball of movement on O, and obviously great shooting with that lineup. Question is, can we defend against the more skilled, bigger lineups in the Big 12 with four true guards for extended periods of time i do also expect to see some more consciously getting our bigs involved in some post-ups inside to initiate the offense we saw a little bit of that these last two games as well with those javier and tugler getting some post-ups and perhaps that's just to, to keep the opposing teams honest or draw some fouls on other bigs slowing things down a bit since we're uh, Uh, a little bit thinner on the bench and open things up a bit more for our shooters. Kind of like how we played after injuries ravaged our team two seasons ago. And we got, you know, Josh Carlton more looks inside. So we'll see. uh, Cause the, the real bullets start flying this coming week with West Virginia on the slate. So now let's get into the game preview for the West Virginia UH game. Tom, what do you think from a coach's perspective?
1: Uh, like I said earlier, you know, you look at West Virginia, probably not as good as AM, Dayton or Xavier. I can't remember if we were talking about this before we started recording, but uh, you know, Josh Eilert, he's been an assistant for uh, Bob Huggins for I don't know how many years. He's a first-time head coach, so you know, you assume that he's gonna he's gonna do what uh, Coach Huggins did. Uh, coach Huggins, you know, was always wanted to be a tough team, tough mentally, tough physically. So I'm sure uh, you know that's what West Virginia is going to try to do, kind of a kind of a mirror version of us. Yeah, I just don't see West Virginia beating us at home. Uh, they will be better than some of the teams that we played, but yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just excited to see our guys play and and big against a Big 12 team.
0: Awesome. How about from a player's perspective, Phil? Uh, what are your thoughts on the West Virginia game?
2: Well, yeah, eilert has been. He was an assistant to Huggins for 17 years. Uh, he said that he that the defense. He said this a couple of times that I've heard. The defense is going to remain the same, a hard-nosed pressure defense as it was with with Huggins. But he wants to speed things up considerably offensively. And yeah. You know, so far at, at five and eight, uh, obviously some mixed results. They potentially their best win so far is against Bellarmine. <laughs> they beat by four points. I mean, yeah. they have not had a good win yet. They lost. They have had a couple of, I guess you could say, okay losses. They lost last night in overtime at home to Ohio State. They also lost to Virginia by two, but Monmouth beat them by eight. Radford beat them. So this is a, it, it's an interesting team. They They lost all five starters from last year. They lost their top six scores, so it's a. I mean, it's a brand new team. It is it's brought in. Well, one guy who's going to be irrelevant, who's probably their best player, Jesse Edwards, a six eleven yeah. center from Syracuse. He's out, so we don't no concern there. Kirk Kreisa is a very good point guard, six uh, three, transferred in from Arizona. I don't think that we're going to see this team turn the ball over as much as some of the previous teams because Creasa is, is very good. He's a very good ball handler. I think it's gonna be a little bit more like it's been in the past. We're still gonna turn them over and probably turn them over a fair amount, but they'll get off some more shots and 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 we'll get a lot more rebounds. So I, I think it it maybe reverts back toward the main the other guy is is Raquan Battle, and he he started his career at Washington. He's played recently at Montana. Uh, he's a 6-5-2 guard. He's led him in scoring the last three games. He's a scorer, and uh, and he's a good player. So we'll you know we'll see what happens there. As I mentioned offline, Eilert said that he ex- at fully expected a a top half Big Twelve finish this year. I've got a two word response to that, and that is good luck Uh, (laughs) yeah they they do have some talent with with battle and creesa and edwards when he comes back and i think they're going to be a lot more competitive in the big 12 than some people think Uh, i think they're going to be better than tech i think they may be better than tcu but yeah, we'll we'll see how that plays out but this is a game where we should this should be a 20 to 25 point win
0: Yeah. Statistically, it suggests that as well. I mean, if you look at advanced analytics, UH is still number one in Ken Palm. West Virginia comes in at number 123. If you do a comparison, we're number 17th in adjusted offensive efficiency while they're coming in at number 100 in adjusted defensive efficiency. On the flip side, we're the number one team in the country by quite a margin on adjusted defensive efficiency. And West Virginia comes in at number 180 in terms of adjusted offensive efficiency. West Virginia is a bad shooting team. They're 287th in effective field goal percentage, and they're a bad offensive rebounding team at number 219th in offensive rebound percentage. And that's a bad combo trying to score against our kooks. Then you match that up with our number one effective field goal percentage defense that defends every shot, our number one team ranking defense in block percentage, as well as steal percentage, and it's going to be a long night offensively for West Virginia. On the other side, West Virginia is only middle of the road good at defending shooters coming at number 81, a defensive effective field goal percentage. And rebound wise, defensive rebounding, they come at number 174, so they're okay, and they're terrible at forcing turnovers, uh, ranking number 332 in Ken Palm. So as you had highlighted, Bill, based on metrics, this should be a 20-point type of win. But it's really hard to predict, right? Because Battle's just coming in, Farrakhan's just coming in. They've played, what, three games at this point. Creese is starting to understand the program. And then, of course, you throw out Edwards because he's, he's injured for the next few games. It, you know... Strictly statistics-wise, we, sh- we should win by 20-plus, but I'm expecting maybe a 12-point win with a concerted effort in trying to get you know guys like Damian Dunn going as we get into the meat of our Big 12 play. So we'll see. I'm definitely excited. Our very first Big 12 game ever. Uh, I'm definitely going to be flying in for that game. So uh, can't wait to see how things unfold. So that's it for episode 10 of No Conference for Old Men podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. And again, would really appreciate it if folks would follow, subscribe, or collect our podcast, depending on your podcast platform of choice. We are also now available on the gocooks.com website under the podcast section or SoundCloud, if that's your preferred route to digest the content that way. We appreciate the continued support and loyalty from all. It keeps us going and continues to reinforce our view that there's an appetite out there for the type of deep college hoops insight we're trying to provide for Cougars and Big 12 fans alike. Also, please give us a follow on our Twitter account, No Conference for Old Men. Thank you all again for listening. And episode number 11 should come out after the West Virginia game. So please be on the lookout to listen and download the next episode. Thanks again, everyone.